This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. It's that time again, Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. Both right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, Ben Ingram, Ole Miss fan covering the Atlanta Braves for the Atlanta Braves Radio Network, as well as 680 The Fan in Atlanta. Going to talk a little Ole Miss with Ben, but mostly the Atlanta Braves who report to spring training pitchers and catchers this week. So Ben Ingram coming up here in about 30 minutes. But first and foremost, it's David Johnson. Hey, bud. Doing good for a Wednesday hump day, but uh, still a lot going on on the uh, Ole Miss recruiting front. You know, the Rebels uh, put a big focus now on the 2020 class. 2019's wrapped up with a bow tied on it, and uh, it's time to move on to the next recruiting class. It's a big recruiting weekend coming up. I only know that because David told me. We're recording this on Wednesday. You're listening to this on a Thursday, most likely. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions and iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Simply search Talk of Champions and also on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, affiliate of 247 Sports. Tell me about this weekend. If, I, if I'm an Ole Miss recruiting person, I just got done with Ole Miss football recruiting. There's something coming up this weekend? Yeah, you basically have the Mississippi Heat 7-on-7 team, which is uh, run by a guy named Marcus Dent. Really good guy. Uh, He's put this group together. They're coming to Oxford on Saturday, and basically the entire team is going to take unofficial visits to Ole Miss. The significance of that is on the Heat's roster are several big-time Ole Miss targets uh, out of the Memphis area and also in the state of Mississippi. Uh, You can start off with the White Haven trio uh, 
of Bryson Eason, Martavius French, and Tamarion McDonald. All three of those guys were at Ole Miss Junior Day. Here we are two weeks later. They're coming back to Ole Miss. If you remember back on Junior Day, the Rebels offered Tamarion McDonald while he was on campus. Uh, he is the latest offer up there to Whitehaven. He told me right after the offer he could be close to pulling the trigger. So here he comes back to Oxford on Saturday. That's one that we're going to be watching very, very closely. And then Martavius French and Bryson Eason, both of those guys are four-star linebackers, Ben. And uh, you know the focus Ole Miss has put on kind of upgrading the talent with their linebackers. Both those guys are premium targets. Eason is the number six-rated inside linebacker in the country in the 2020 class. French is the number eight inside linebacker in the country in the 2020 class. So you're going to have both those guys on campus along with Tamaria McDonald, as I mentioned. Uh, we have him rated as an outside linebacker on 247 Sports. Ole Miss likes him as a safety, a big safety. He's six foot two, 220 pounds. Also in that group, a uh, little bit of hometown flavor, Jeremiah Piggies, J.J. Piggies, Oxford High School, the four-star athlete, number 10 athlete in the country, is playing for the Mississippi Heat this year. He is expected to be with that group as well. Then you can even go as deep as the 2021 class. Uh, Antonio Harmon, wide receiver out of Kosciuszko, Mississippi High School, already a four-star per the 247 Sports Composite. He's six foot three, he's 195 pounds. He reminds you of a young DK Metcalf, and uh, he was also on the Ole Miss campus just two weeks ago for the Ole Miss Junior Day. He has been a frequent visitor to Oxford, and uh, you know, there's uh, I, I think Ole Miss has a, has a little something cooking with Antonio Harmon right there, uh, a top-rated player in the state of Mississippi's 2021 class, and he is a huge A.J. Brown fan. He will tell you he has followed A.J. since A.J. was in high school, and uh, he knows everything about this Ole Miss wide receiver core. Again, if you look at him on the huff, Ben, he reminds you of D.K. Metcalf pretty much when D.K. was a sophomore at Oxford. Not anymore because D.K. looks now like the Incredible Hulk. But uh, Harmon has that kind of potential. Big edge receiver, already six foot three, 195 pounds at 16 years old. He will be on the Ole Miss campus. Uh, some other kids uh, coming in, Cameron Threat out of uh, Lewisburg High School up in the Olive Branch area. He's a three-star prospect. And then uh, Brandon Buckhalter, who is down in the Jackson area, another big-time player. So, uh, you know, Ole Miss is going to have some uh, talent back on the campus, and some of it is repeat visit within the last couple of weeks. You like to see that because that gives you the opportunity to really build some momentum with uh, some of these top 2020 players, particularly those Memphis kids. And, Ben, we've talked about it. Memphis is going to be vital. The greater Memphis area is going to be vital to Ole Miss's success in this 2020 class. And I include DeSoto County in that as well. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of talent. There's more talent in DeSoto County and the greater Memphis area right now than what has emerged in the entire state of Mississippi. All right, take a deep breath, in and out. You weren't on this podcast on Tuesday. You're trying to fill up the entire time in your first appearance back. Five minutes talking about Ole Miss recruiting. You good? It's the beetroot supplement. Okay. That's what it is. Right. It, it, it's got me going. I, I would suggest anyone take that, man. It's all natural, and it gets you going. No one take this segue the wrong way. DK Metcalf does not look all natural right now. I am not accusing him of anything. DK Metcalf has always been a freak of nature. There are regular drug tests in college as well as throughout high school, all that kind of stuff. He's just a freak of nature. That picture that came out, he was dwarfing everyone. He looked like a transformer. Look, somebody asked me on Jackson Radio yesterday if I thought that picture was photoshopped. No. Because they thought it did. Ben, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if somebody didn't have a little fun with that just a little bit. Those arms are huge. Those arms are bigger than offensive linemen legs. He looks like a transformer. And, he looks and, like he's about to turn into a Mack truck. He does. And, and, and when you look, you know, two guys down and there stands A.J. Brown, which we all know is a very healthy physical specimen, looking like he's a, a, a trumpet player in, in the high school band next to D.K. <laughs> Metcalf. I mean, you, you start to wonder about the authenticity of that photo. But uh, man, oh, man. I mean, it certainly caught the attention of the world. It looks like he looked like the human being if he were a werewolf transforming back in the morning from a werewolf back to a person. Yeah, this Hollywood action figure kind of physique right oh, there. God. 
My God, yeah. he's healthy, and that's the most important thing. He's probably going to be the number one wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft. DK's always yeah. been a big guy, and yet every single year it looks like he adds 15 more pounds of muscle. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy, and I've watched that kid grow up. I mean, yeah, you know him I, I mean, as well as anybody. He he spent the night at my house. Uh, you know, him and Eli kind of kind of came up together and everything, and um, it, it's amazing. I mean, I, I remember seeing him once. I guess it was probably tenth grade, and I didn't see him again for you know maybe five six months later. And and that five to six month span, he had just he had just developed. Uh, that's the only way to say it. And I can't wait to see what he does in the NFL. Yeah. I, I too believe he's going to be the number one receiver off the board. Um, I think AJ Brown's going to go in the first round too. I think Ole Miss is going to have two first round receivers and Demarcus Lodge is not going to be very far behind them. The NFL draft isn't very strong as far as wide receivers are concerned. And Except for the Ole Miss guys? Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, I could easily see that happening is what I'm saying. I, I don't know if there is a first-round wide receiver taken just because of the needs, but if there is a first-round wide receiver, I fully expect one of the Ole Miss guys will be the one to impress in the NFL combine. And if you made me put money on it, I'm saying DK. But I'm a little worried, though. I've got a little David Boston worry in me about DK. David Boston got too big. DK runs a four four. Is is at some point do you got to go? Okay, DK, you're a monster. Slow down. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing how the game has changed from a physical standpoint. Because you you know how it was twenty years ago. You played football from August to November, and uh, you know then you maybe maybe played baseball, shot some hoops, and then you got back on the football grind later. It's all scientific now, and it's all 365 days a year now, and you're starting to see the result of that. And when I say a scientific, look, they know what they're doing inside those weight rooms. And, oh, you know, yeah. They, I mean, it is They've got it down to, to a, a science. Yes, and they know what legal su- uh, supplements that you should be taking that's going to benefit you the best. The dietary part of it is, is all factored in, and it turns it turns these guys into what you're seeing right there. Not everybody like him, of course, but uh, it, 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 it maximizes their potential. There's no doubt. There's a lot of science behind all of that. Uh, you know, I always uh, – kind of kind of get a kick out of it you know i think a lot of people think it's just all about going in there and slinging the iron and all that stuff but if you ever notice paul jackson always tweets out these latest books he's reading and studying up on on the latest methods and everything and uh man it's working it, it is absolutely working and uh and dk knew about diet and strength training by the time he was a freshman in high school it's oh, not like terrence didn't have him, yeah, have him on a pass. Yeah, i mean he knew about it before he got out of kindergarten most yeah. likely I, I, I mean it's it's impressive the draft is going to be fun to watch i'm also intrigued about dawson knox and what ends up happening with him of course you know a lot of really great early reviews as you and i both predicted when he hadn't even made his decision yet i fully expected him declaring early he did and we first reported on the Ole Miss spirit not a surprise and now he's getting the returns in the reviews that we expected i think dawson knox is going to be that guy for Ole Miss fans that six or seven or eight years down the line they're going to cut on the nfl sunday games He's going to be playing for like the Ravens or the 49ers or whoever. And they're going to go, wait a minute, Dawson Knox. I, I recognize that name. Oh, yeah. He was in the same offense as A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and Demarcus Lodge with a competent quarterback. And yet they only won five games. Oh, thanks, Phil Longo. Yeah, and you can also throw in an offensive line that that likely is going to have three guys that that was on that O line last year. They're going to be in the league. So uh, mm. you know, mm-hmm. you know. But here's the thing about Dawson. I would I would tell you, I don't even think the positive reviews on Dawson have even started to blow up because he is going to go into the NFL Combine. First off, he's going to win the interview process. Okay, look, these these are companies about to hire an employee and pay them millions of dollars. Okay. They they want to know that they're going to give their money to a guy who who is who is still going to be hungry after he's getting paid. Okay, Dawson's going to win that part of it. He's going to ace that the Wonderlick test or whatever they give. He's going to kill all that. But when he gets on the field up there in Indianapolis to start testing, he's going to kill it, Ben. He is the guy that can go into a count combine setting and blow people away with what he's going to measure in that. How fast he's going to run the 40, what he's going to do in the shuttle, his bench 
Express, Max, all of that is going to be top tier at the Combine. And then you're really going to start hearing a lot more talk about Dawson Knox. He's out in California right now training. Uh, been out there pretty much uh, uh, all year long. Went out there right after the first of the year. He's going to go to the Combine. And after the Combine, he's coming back to Oxford. And he'll train here until uh, Pro Day rolls around. But uh, I think you're going to see big things out of him. I think Javon Patterson is a potential draft pick. Uh, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round probably. Um, we all know Greg Little's going to get drafted. What, you know, the question on Greg right now, there's positive out there. There's some negative out there, you know, and there's some people out there scratching their heads going, is he a first round pick? Is he going to go in the first round or is he going to go in the second round? The thing about Greg that I think keeps him in the first round is two years down the road for Greg Little. Yeah, he's I mean, already he, elite as a pass blocker, the upper body strength and the road grade yeah. and run blocking. You think if you're an NFL scout, you can add that. Exactly. And don't sleep on Jordan Tiamu. I, I think Jordan's got a chance to be a late round pick as well. Certainly going to be in somebody's camp as a free agent, but uh, he, he's impressing people as well. So uh, it's going to be a fun draft for Ole Miss fans this year. Pro Day is going to be big too. I mean, you're, all these guys are coming back. Uh, there's not a one that has told me they're not going to be back for Pro Day in Oxford. And uh, there are a lot of other guys who haven't been in these postseason all-star games or, uh, you know, are going to the combine that are going to be at Pro Day too, still, still searching for a chance. The podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. Valentine's Day is here, and that means it's decision time on that right spot to take your significant other. Give me fun and casual over the alternative any day of the week, and no spot checks those boxes better than El Agave Mexican Grill, the best Tex-Mex in town. If you live in Oxford or New Albany, El Agave Mexican Grill is the only stop for the best food, drinks, and atmosphere. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food in a cantina at both locations, and with a warm and inviting atmosphere, you and your guy or gal can make yourself at home. It's the best Mexican around that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. The kitchen gets busy early every morning because El Agave Mexican Grill starts from scratch every day, making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their homemade red and green chili dishes, slow-cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks over for a great Mexican fiesta, so come on over to El Agave in Oxford and or New Albany. 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. You won't find better Mexican food or margaritas anywhere else. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. <laughs> You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices, but more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. The one and only NFL draft that I ever went to was the NFL draft that no one wants to be reminded of. So are you going this year? Because if you're going, I'm not going. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. David Johnson, breaking news. Is going to be covering the NFL draft for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com and Fitter 247 Sports. Ole Miss had nine Rebels invited to the NFL Combine. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun little game for you. Give me, you don't have to rank them all, but the top three going to be most impressive NFL Combine workouts for former Rebels. DK Metcalf one, Dawson Knox two, and then A.J. Brown, and then Greg Little will probably fall into like fourth or something like that. I think Zedrick Wood's going to have a sneaky good NFL pro day. Yeah, I, I could agree with that, and I don't. I don't know that I'd argue with your top three. I think. I think Metcalf. I think Knox. I think AJ's going to hold his own very, very good. Yeah. Um, those so are those the top are, three. I think yeah. we both agree on. Yeah, I think so, and I think Dawson Knox will be one of the surprises. We we know because we've covered him for the last four years. We, we, we understand what he can do in a setting. Remember, Sports Illustrated named him one of the top fifty freaks in all of college football. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe he was inexplicably underutilized. There's no excuse for it for me. Well, I, you know, the story, and I probably told this on the podcast before, but it was the Auburn game. And, um, you know, Dawson makes this acrobatic catch down in the red zone. He was out of bounds. The ball was out of bounds. 
didn't count. I'm setting up in the press box next to a, a scout from the Reese's Senior Bowl. And he looks over to me and he goes, hey, what's the deal on Knox? Is he a bad dude? I kind of looked at him. I was like, what, what do you mean bad dude? I mean, is he a bad kid? Is he in the doghouse? It's like, no, totally opposite, totally opposite. And he looked at me and he scratched his head and he's like, I, for the life of me, I do not understand no why he doesn't get more touches. And, and, you know, I talked to Dawson. I ran a piece on him a couple of weeks ago, an uh, in-depth piece, and talked to him from Maldi in California. And uh, I asked him about the frustration part and he admitted it, it was frustrating for him at times. It had and it, to be. And it got to be comical. Um, you know, so uh, and, and look, I'll tell you this much, too. I, I, I don't I don't think I, I shouldn't say this, but I think it became frustrating for Maurice Harris, his position coach, that he wasn't getting the football. At the end of the day, if you're going to be an offense coordinator that leans on graphics showing the numbers that your offense produces and you want to embrace the good, you also have to accept the bad. If you're the end all be all, you're the coach. You're the one that was responsible for getting the ball in the hands of guys such as Dawson Knox who were underutilized. Phil Longo did not work last year. And I know the numbers were still good, but, man, when you think about the red zone issues as well as Dawson Knox having, what, just over 300 yards receiving, it's inexplicable. I, I don't think that Matt Luke, had he been making the hire initially, would have hired Phil Longo as a offensive coordinator. I think philosophically they didn't align perfectly. Rich Rodriguez is more in line with what he wants philosophically as an offense. I would have been fascinated well, to watch a, a Rich Rod offense with Dawson Knox, Jordan Tamu, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Demarcus Lodge. I'll leave it what, let, let me ask you this. At what part, uh, on what part of the field does your tight end really become a weapon for you? The red zone. The red zone. Dawson Knox finished his Ole Miss career with zero touchdowns. Zero. And, wow. And, and not many more targets inside wow. <laughs> not many more targets wow. in that inside the red zone if you want to think about it and i'm not trying to i mean i'm just talking facts here i'm not trying to be critical on anyone hey look uh, we don't owe phil longo anything he was a good dude he's pleasant to work with but again we're all judged by what our numbers say we are and his number said that it was a bad red zone offense and he did not take advantage of all the talent at his disposal. Dawson told me it got to be comical with him. He said people would walk up at and ask him, hey, man, what did you do to your quarterback? Why does he hate you so much? You know, because he just wasn't getting targeted. And uh, it kind of became a big joke. And he, he referred back to, you know, he, he said, look, I'm looking out there and they're like fifth and sixth string wide receivers catching touchdown passes and I don't have one. You know, and, and, and if you know Dawson, he, he's an awesome guy. You and he said all that kind of in a, in a, it was in a joking way and in jest, but uh, good things are ahead for him. I think we can all agree on that. Yes. He's going to kill the combine. Yeah. The second most athletically freakish player of the nine NFL combine invitees of Ole Miss behind only DK Metcalf. I think Dawson hey. is going to have a monster, monster NFL combine. Hey, let me throw this at you too. Luke Knox, his younger brother is starting to develop physically just like Dawson. Okay. I, I ran into him uptown. Oh, you're, so you're buying some Luke Knox stock right now. I, I would buy Luke Knox stock. Okay. Okay. And, and don't, right. I, and look, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be the guy this year. He's still a young but I ran into him uptown the other day and I, I thought it was Dawson just looking at him. And you know, when Luke got here, raw bones, skinny, skinny kind of guy Then I talked to John Sumrall about Luke. He's up to 237 pounds, and Summerall's eyes kind of lit up when he started talking about him a little bit. So, uh, you know, don't sleep on the younger Knox either. You still got another one on the team. Luke Knox makes his impact, if he ever does, starting this year, the year after. When when, when would that stock start to pay off for you? Yeah, yeah he's just a redshirt freshman going into the to this season. So, I, I mean, I think you're a year or two down the road, but like I said, don't sleep on him. He was the last guy into his class. I think everyone kind of rolled their eyes at the prospects of Luke Knox. So there's going to be some reticence to believe that Luke Knox is going to develop into anything. But you're saying he's already showing that he's got signs of being something. Okay. I'm saying he's. I'm saying he's got good genes. His body is developing at, at a tremendous rate, and he's a high IQ football player. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Luke Knox would be a big guy to have if he could be something for a position at linebacker that I think at this point deserves one out of nowhere developmental project that works. Amen. 
Amen. I mean, that, pro- <laughs> that position, it, it's dealt with enough. Give it one well, well, developmental know, you, guy that, that really hits for them. You got, you got some young guys coming. I'm going to have some stuff coming on the front page of the Spirit in the next couple of days or so on, on the linebackers, some in-depth looks at, at some things. But um, – yeah, you know, you got a Jacquez Jones that uh, I, you know, I think he's going to shine. Cavante Ruggs, I think he's a he's an assassin kind of player out. Getting there. out in front of my skis a little bit here is dipping into what some topics I wanted to cover in the coming weeks. But Jacquez Jones is my breakout defensive player of the year. You were hot on him when they when they got a commitment. Yeah, you've always been hot on him. Yeah, and um, you know, and again, you know, I, I think don't he think- was better last year than he was getting given credit for because the defense around him was so bad. Yeah, all of a sudden you look up, and, and, and coincidence that this has occurred since John Sumrall got on campus, but you don't feel half bad about these linebackers. I mean, I mean, in, terrible. The, in mm-hmm. the middle, you're going to have Momo Sanago, uh, another very intelligent football player, and, and he's a tackling machine. Uh, I think he's proven that. And then Lakia Henry is certainly who you're projecting to be sitting there in the middle of that 3-4, um, you know, with Momo Sanago. And then you talk about the outside, and you're talking about Ruggs. You're talking about um, Jacquez Jones. And, uh, we forget that Cavante Ruggs was the story of fall camp He last was. Year. He was. He's you know, a freshman he, that you don't expect a player like that to just set the world on fire as a true freshman. Linebacker, safe for offensive line, I think is one of the toughest positions to make an immediate impact. He flashed. So did Jacquez Jones. It's not John Sumrall's fault that he literally had to create a linebacker group that was competent out of thin air. He had no returners that he could say, ah, this guy I can rely on, and then I'll build around him. He had to create a group. Yeah, and you're going to see improved play there this year, partially because of talent, partially because of coaching, partially because of recruiting. Uh, And again, the Lakia Henry signing day win, Man, that, that was probably the biggest break Ole Miss got in this entire class if you want to talk about immediate help. And uh, and on the defensive side of the ball, you know, when we're talking about it, not only Lakia Henry, but you got Sam Williams you're going to plug in up front. And then you got Jonathan Haynes and Jamar Richardson that you're going to be able to put in that rotation in the secondary. All Juco guys, but Ole Miss helped themselves tremendously there. Around the horn with Ole Miss sports, we're recording this before Ole Miss and Auburn tip off um, Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Critical road game, but really a free shot for Ole Miss basketball. But since we don't know the result, can't really talk about it. Ole Miss baseball opens its season starting Friday, 4 p.m. Central Time against Wright State. You know what the weekend rotation is going to be. I was right on about it. Will Etheridge, Zach Phillips, and then it's Gunnar Hoglund in the lineup. Tim Elko's in right field. Anthony Servideo's at second base. What else is going on? Softball, all that kind of stuff. What do you got coming coverage-wise this weekend? Yeah, softball is uh, broken into the top 25, ranked number 24 in the nation this week, and that's all because of how well they played and who they played against down in Orlando last weekend. Uh, heading out to the West Coast, they're going to play Loyola Marymount Thursday in a single game before playing in a tournament at UCLA over the weekend, and they're going to face UCLA, which is ranked number two in the country. The Bruins, of course, that game will be a rematch of the 2017 Los Angeles Super Regional, so a little bit history there between Ole Miss and LSU recently. Uh, they'll also play Oregon State, uh, a couple other teams, and then before before they get on the plane and fly back to Mississippi on Sunday, they're going to run down to uh, Long Beach, uh, a team they beat twice in, uh, in, in the NCAA Regional in Tucson last year to face off with Boise State, and that's a single game, not in the tournament, but they'll fly back. So you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six big games for Ole Miss this weekend on a West Coast swing. Uh, as I mentioned, they're they're ranked in the top 25 this week at number 24. If they have a good weekend out there, I could see them shooting up the polls, Ben. And, and, and you know, as far as how that relates to SEC play, look, there are 10 of the 13 SEC softball programs. Remember, Vanderbilt does not field a team uh, ranked inside the top 25 this week. The SEC in softball is totally brutal, absolutely brutal. But Mike Smith is testing his team. I, I mean, look, he, he played nationally ranked Ohio State, nationally ranked Minnesota. Again, he's going to square off with UCLA, Oregon State this weekend. Then they're going to nationally ranked Texas next weekend for uh, another tournament. Uh, I mean, he didn't take the easy way out with his non-conference schedule. So uh, he's hoping to have this team ready to challenge in the SEC when SEC play finally rolls around. And Ben, they spend the whole first month of the season on the road. No games in Oxford until March 1st. Ole Miss basketball has two games left against Missouri, one against Georgia. 
at South Carolina. You get those, that's four. You're at 20 wins overall, and, and um, you're at 10 in the league. Ole Miss is in, in the NCAA tournament. Going to Nashville, probably not having to do any work. They're in the NCAA tournament. So regardless of the Auburn result, and I don't know it because we're recording prior to that game. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah. Come on. Come on, well, tell us. I, tell I us. Don't. Okay, let's, let's see. Future Ben, who won, Ole Miss or Auburn? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Ben. Auburn. <laughs> Auburn won. Oh, come on, Ben. Auburn come won. On. Auburn's one of the toughest teams to beat in their home court. They're tough. Really hard to beat. So I think Ole Miss loses. However, I do think you get those four, you're in. Period. They have no sub-100 losses in that scenario. And they have a lot of good wins, quality wins. And the bubble's weak. Ole Miss is in. Probably in comfortably. is in, in No low, lower than like a 10 seed. So I think Ole Miss is fine. So that's the Ole Miss basketball update, not knowing the result of the game. However... Before we get to Ben Ingram, who's a huge Ole Miss fan from Madison, covers the Braves for the Atlanta Braves Radio Network and 680 The Fan in Atlanta. We were talking Ole Miss recruiting. Give me the most wanted. We covered this a little bit after signing day. I need 10 names, 10 names of guys, if I'm an Ole Miss recruiting fan, getting ready to gear up for 2020, another year of this coverage. Give me the 10 names I need to be looking for. Yeah, let let me preface this by saying, look, I'm not going to roll off a whole list of five stars here. Of course, they want the five stars. So these are guys I think that they've got, uh, you know, an obvious chance with. It starts in Memphis, okay? Oh, he didn't start in Oxford with Piggies? Well, we're getting there. We're going to get there. They have, okay, okay, we'll start it in Oxford with Piggies. Look, they have to have J.J. Piggies in this class. They're bound and determined to get him in this class. Piggies is starting to blow up. Auburn just offered him as well. So that's probably going to slow down uh, his process. He's going to wait and see what all comes in. But, you know, last year, the 2019 cycle, Brandon Turnage right here in Oxford, Mississippi, Lafayette High School goes to Alabama. Uh, I can tell you right now, Ole Miss has no intentions of allowing another SEC school to come in here and pluck that kind of talent out of its backyard. And J.J. is named Ole Miss as leader. Has, well, that's comforting knowing that they're, <laughs> that they're finally, I guess, closing up the backyard. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think, yeah. So, okay, J.J. Piggies, that's number one. I, then I'd, I'd head up to the Memphis area. And that's not that's not dissing anything in Mississippi. We'll get back to there. But those, those players at Whitehaven High School that that they're getting on campus, that were on campus a couple of weeks ago, that will be back on campus on Saturday. Every one of them's big time. Bryson Eason, Martavius French, Tamarion McDonald. All right, so that gets us to four. I'd stay up in Memphis, and I would say, look, there are four big time offensive tackles in the 2020 class in in the state of Memphis. And that is very much something uh, that Ole Miss needs to needs to be able to capitalize on. Uh, I'll start off with Marcus Henderson at Memphis University School. Marcus has been a frequent visitor to Oxford. He has a really good relationship with Matt Luke. He likes Coach Luke a whole lot. Also likes Jack Bignell. But when Ole Miss had its junior day a few weeks back, Marcus was intending on coming to Ole Miss. He told me so himself. Drove right by uh, – kept going down 55 and ended up in Starkville at Mississippi State's junior day. So they're involved in that too. The others up there, Chris Morris, Ray Curry Jr. I talked to Ray Curry Jr. uh, two nights ago and Ole Miss is in it for Ray, but Ray doesn't know what he's going to do right now. I mean, he's got offers all over the place. So, uh, you know, nothing there that gives me any kind of warm and fuzzies. Chris Morris released a top list uh, back right after Christmas. Ole Miss was not in it. So, uh, you know, that's something you got to be worried about. Amari Thomas at Briarcrest Christian is another one. Um, you know, they need to hit at least one of those four guys out of the state of Memphis. I mean, out of the, the city of Memphis, excuse me. Um, you know, then if you, if you want to get back inside the state of Mississippi, this is a class, Ben, that uh, it's, it's not nearly as deep as what the 19 class was. I mean, it's uh, Ole Miss has more uh, has has I think eight offers out in in the city of Memphis right now. They have 11 offers out in the entire state of Mississippi right now. So that kind of shows you the importance of of Memphis. But and, but when you look at it, two more of those Mississippi offers, actually three of them, are on DeSoto County guys. So you can consider them, throw them into that Memphis area, and that's Jaquivion Brown, Josiah Hayes. And then Xavier Hill, the offensive lineman at Olive Branch. Hayes and Brown are both at Horn Lake, where Ole Miss whiffed in the 19 cycle. Uh, I like their chances with Josiah Hayes and Jaquivion Brown. I really and truly do. Uh, I talked to Jaquivion last night. We had a, a 
Wednesday, Tuesday night, had a story up on the front page of the Ole Miss Spirit where he kind of broke everything down. He'll be on the Ole Miss campus on March 2nd. Josiah Hayes was here for junior day just a couple of weeks ago and Xavier Hill visited not long ago as well. So, you know, those are the guys you got to hold on to Eli Acker, which they will. He is a tried and true uh, Ole Miss blood, if you will. So I don't think Eli's going anywhere, even though I expect Arkansas and Notre Dame are both going to offer him very quickly. And then I'm going to end it with this. As far as the guys that they've got to get, you know, and I'm, I'm keeping it all right here at home, okay? Janari Dean at South Panola. He is a safety or a running back. Oh, Ole Miss is back in South Panola. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's been a while since South Panola has yeah. had a had a big time guy, but uh, Janari Dean is a big time guy. And look, Mississippi State's leading for him, and they've been leading for a while. The and, word uh, has been turning in South Panola for about 10 years, the last 10 years. It used to be an Ole Miss factory. There are some influences from Mississippi State. You could feel it kind of turning. If this is the first time where South Panola has a big time prospect again, and the leader is Mississippi State. Should Ole Miss fans be concerned going forward? Yeah, I think absolutely. Ole Miss has some work to do with Janari Dean, and not only against Mississippi State, but also Arkansas, because Janari Dean is the cousin of K.J. Jefferson, the 2019 quarterback Ooh. out of North Panola, uh-uh. who signed with the Razorbacks. And uh, Dean's been up to the hill, and he's going back here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so Arkansas, and actually there are a couple of crystal balls, and Arkansas actually leads his crystal ball, despite him telling everyone Mississippi State is his leader. Uh, so... Uh, you know, that, that's something to be watched. That's one that'll sting if Ole Miss doesn't rally. But I, I'm going to tell you, he is an outstanding young man. He's not going to make a rash decision. And I think when he does commit, I don't think there will be any going back and flipping him. But I also think he's going to take this process uh, very deliberately. And um, and he's going to make a, 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 a solid decision. Don't count Ole Miss out. You know, obviously, it's South Panola. Do not count Ole Miss out. But uh, – that's uh, that's a kid that I think you got to get. Ole Miss likes him as a running back too, because Derek Nix is heavily involved in his recruitment, and Rich Rodriguez has become involved in his recruitment. Uh, but he wants to play defense, and Mississippi State's recruiting him as a safety. Ole Miss has Eli Acker committed is the only commitment that they have. Before we get to Ben Ingram, really quickly, the next commitment or a run of commitments comes when. Man, I think the guy that's the hottest right now is Tamarion McDonald up at Whitehaven. Um, at least I, I can tell you when Ole Miss offered him, he was very, very hot. Uh, he's got a great relationship with John Sumrall, who is the primary guy in Memphis for Ole Miss right now. And I think you're going to see some some better things happening up there because of that. John is an absolute popular guy on the recruiting trail. You ask these kids about John Sumrall, and they all love him every single one of them. So I expect they're going to do well up there, but I'd keep an eye on Whitehaven safety tomorrow on McDonald. I, you know, I think JJ Pegues is going to end up in Ole Miss's class, Ben, but I, I also think JJ with that Auburn offer, he's going to, he's going to take it, uh, you know, down the road a little bit before he's ready to make a commitment because there are going to be others jumping in. You don't have an Ole Miss and an Auburn offer without uh, a whole bunch of other schools jumping in and they're going to jump in on him. Uh, the next wave, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, generally we get a we get a short wave in the springtime. I, I expect you'll see that, and then I think uh, I think by July or so, um, this class is 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 going to be ten to fifteen strong. I think Ole Miss wants to commit them early. I think they want to get them in the boat. He's David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. David's Twitter handle is at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. Subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions, and iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Simply search Talk of Champions. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, ChaneysePharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Joining us now on the Chaney's Pharmacy phone line is Ben Ingram. You can hear him on the Atlanta Braves radio network and 680 The Fan. Ben's driving down right now as we're recording this to Florida because Braves pitchers and catchers report this week. In my neck of the woods, almost baseball starts its season on Friday. Your neck of the woods, you got about a month grind that's about to start up, Ben. You excited about it? 
I am, man. I'm ready to get going. Once we get past uh, the bowl games and the national championship and, and the Super Bowl, that that switch kind of flips, and, and you're ready to go. So I'm ready to get out there and see what we're see what we're dealing with, man, for 2019. Going to be an interesting season. When's the last time you made it down to Swayze Field? Oh gosh. Yeah, it, 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 I'm ashamed of this answer because I know exactly when it was. It was the regional of 2007. Oh my God! Uh, Ole Miss won the regional and then went out to Arizona State and lost the Super Regional, if I'm not mistaken. And I was doing some of those games locally on TV, and that's the last time I was there. And because every year it's uh, baseball for me while they're doing baseball, so. I've not been able to head back over there, and it has been over a decade, sadly to say. Now, you're still making your games for Vaughn Hemingway Stadium, I know. Yes, I was at the South Carolina game. Um, I usually make at least one game, sometimes two a year. And uh, the only thing that, that sucked about that South Carolina game was the outcome. But it was a perfect day, had a good weekend. and it, It's kind of my off-season Super Bowl because I'll rent a house. I'll have all my buddies come up from Madison where I grew up, and we'll just blow it out for the weekend. That's one of my favorite weekends of the whole year. What's groving like with Ben Ingram? Uh, Usually bouncing around at two or three tents. It's kind of difficult for me to to do a tent myself because I would end up having to pack all sorts of stuff from Atlanta. I'd rather not do that. But I've got a group of guys, about seven, eight guys, and they set up a tent every home game. So I usually do that, and then – I uh, try to bounce around at two or three other places and, and see friends that I might not see for another year. So it, it, I hate the noon games, and it seemed like we had nothing but noon games this past year. I know it was a noon game, the the game or the eleven o'clock game, I should say, uh, or the game that I went to, which is is really tough. But uh, make the most out of it, and you know, tough it up and, and hit the brown liquor early. That's, <laughs> that's what you got to do. So. Um, that's that's a good Grove day for me, and then hit the square afterwards, hoping that we're celebrating a win. That, that's a pretty tough day to be. There wasn't a lot of wins to celebrate this year, Ben. No, no, <laughs> we got to take advantage of it, and uh, whenever you do get one, I think good times are coming, though, man. I like some of these recruits that they're able to bring in. Excited about some of these players. Um, really excited about the quarterback uh, that they have coming in, and, and really excited about some of these receivers as well. So. I just hope that they can figure out how to win early because it doesn't get any easier in the SEC. And, uh, I mean, Bama's Bama, LSU's LSU, Auburn, A&M spending boatloads of money. It's not easy, man. And I just hope they can get back to where they were four or five years ago. That's what I was going to ask you. Are you one of those out-of-town Ole Miss fans that stays plugged into recruiting services and all that kind of stuff? You locked in? 100%. 100%. I, I don't know how you could. I mean, it's – if you're if you're really into football, I mean, I think that's part of it, and I, I love it during the season. And, and if, if the season starts going sour, and it starts looking like it's going to be a four or five win year, and we're all going to be really disappointed and, and depressed, I, I think I have to start setting my sights on recruiting. And because Ole Miss typically does pretty well, holds their own. I mean, I'm, I think we're used to having a top twenty-five recruiting class just about every year. Now, the downside of that is you could have the number 20 recruiting class in the nation, but have the sixth best recruiting class in the SEC West. And that gets pretty frustrating, but I definitely keep up with it. I uh, would have loved to have seen them land the linebacker out of Horn Lake. I hate that that didn't work out, but it seemed like that second signing period worked out much better than the one in December did. I love telling the story about Jeff Francoeur picking between Clemson and Ole Miss. Had he played football and baseball in college? Ole Miss was in there. Have you ever talked to him about it? I haven't. I don't even know that. I, I just thought he was Clemson all the way. Uh-huh. So I, I, I definitely have to ask him about that. Now, now you got to find out. Now, because I, I want to hear. If I was going to get Jeff at one point on this podcast at some point um, because of that specific story. So you got to be the investigative I, journalist that goes and knocks out that I story. Will. Confirm it. I will. I'll see him here in the next few weeks. I know he's coming down at some point during spring training, and you know, we travel and all that. So I'll, I'll have plenty of. Anything else you want me to ask him? I've got plenty of time to ask him whatever you want me to. I'll fire away. That, that's the beauty of your time going to be spent in Florida for the next month. You're going to have a lot of time on your hands. Are you a big golfer before we get into Brave stuff? Honestly, man, not much. I mean, it depends on who I'm with. If, if i got a good group and we're going to get out there and, and have a few cold ones and smoke yeah. a cigar, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, once I get to about the 11th, 12th hole, I'll really lose interest. <laughs> At that point, I'm like, okay, I'm just ready to shut it down. But I can give you nine good holes for certain. My golf game is go out there. Let's not keep score. I'm going to hit a few good shots. I really just want to get sauced. That's the whole. You should play with us. That, yeah. That'd be perfect. Yeah. I don't want to. I mean, I get sick and tired of writing sevens and eights on my on my scorecard. 
and it's just it's extremely embarrassing. So uh, I'd, I'd rather just hit it as far as I possibly can, and then we'll just have a good time and never mind the score. Josh Donaldson and Brian McCann signed with the Braves in November. There's one move made in December, and that's nothing more than Rio Ruiz getting claimed by the Orioles. They follow up and sign Nick Markakis late. This whole free agency period has been strange, but in the Braves' case, after hearing the Braves talk about um, raising payroll, being aggressive this offseason, have you been surprised by the slowness of their activity? Yeah, very surprised and, and disappointed as well. I, I'd add that in there. I, I feel like there have been opportunities for this team to do more things, to be more aggressive. And I, honestly, I don't know that they haven't been, but I see a team like the Giants offering a, a shorter-term deal to Bryce Harper. And I, I ask myself, why aren't other teams doing that? Why couldn't the Braves do that? Why couldn't the Braves lob five to six years at, at Bryce Harper? Uh, I, I know that this team has money to spend. They've been talking about it the last couple of years. I know that their payroll right now, compared to where it was last year, is lower than it was. So they've got money to spend. And, and I think they'd like to make another trade. That's something that Alex Anthopoulos mentioned multiple times during the offseason. Now he wanted to get active and, and trade for another pitcher. If they could have anything right now, I think they'd like to add to their rotation. But when some of those free agent names are out there and some of those position players who could help this ball club are still available, I don't understand how you don't make a really strong offer. My only assumption is, is that ownership just isn't allowing certain things. I, I'm assuming ownership just isn't allowing certain figures to be moved down the line. So if that's what Alex is dealing with, then he really hasn't said much about it. But I am a little bit surprised and and really disappointed that they've not been able to get more active. And not just with the big names either. I, I think also with some of these guys – uh, who could really help you out of the bullpen. And I think the bullpen needed help a year ago, and they had some nice arms, but they needed more. They had enough to win a division that wasn't that good last year, and the division is significantly better this year. But once they got into the postseason and took on the Dodgers, there was a humongous gap uh, in the rotation and in the bullpen as well, And whether it's Adam Adovino or, or any, some, some, any of these other names who signed other places. I feel like those are names that they could have landed and had here and, and really made – uh, some strides in that bullpen didn't happen. And I think the fan base is disappointed in that. And, and I'm a little bit surprised that it did go as slowly as it did for the Braves. Just as you're an Ole Miss fan covering the Braves, I'm a Braves fan covering Ole Miss. And so I am one of those people that is frustrated. And and one thing that really sticks out to me, immediately the Braves came out and said, we're not going to be engaging with Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, which, okay, fine. If, if that's going to be the organizational philosophy, I don't agree with it. I think it's dumb. Don't let any team tell you they don't have money because they do. Uh, but I think what's really been strange to me is like in the example with Michael Brantley. He got two years and $11 million or something per with the Houston Astros, and the Braves could have beaten that. You had a, uh, opportunities to improve yourself, and like you mentioned, the bullpen options, and you didn't do it, and you talked about finding value. That, to me, was value. What, what, what disconnect do you think is there as far as what the Braves think is value compared to just baseball fans, Braves fans in general? Yeah, well, let's start in the top tier. And, and you know what the Braves deficiency was last year, and it just as, as well as I do. They, they need – well, there are a few of them. But I, I felt like corner outfield and a lack of power was something that they had to address. It's a yeah. team that scored runs and, and a team that did well offensively, but they didn't hit the home run ball the way that some of these other teams were. And I think if you're going to get into October, you've got to have that ability. Nick Markakis is a great guy to have in the clubhouse. He's a great guy to have on your roster. He's not a cleanup hitter, uh, not in 2019. His second half was really bad. He was gone. And, and look, I, I get that it was his first all-star year. He had really good numbers, and he hit just under 300. That, that's great. If he's batting sixth for me, I if he's batting second for me. That's fine. I like where the yeah. double balls were. Yeah. But like you mentioned, those stats came in the first four months of the year. He was gone in August and September. And I don't know if that's because he played 162 days. I don't know what it was, but he just wasn't the same player. So I'm hoping that more off time this year really helps him. But I, my whole plan was, even if you bring him back, I still have to find a way to put somebody in my cleanup hole that's going to drive and runs. So if, if, if Nick, Mark Dacus is out there and he's a free agent, let's go with the upper tier. Let's, let's aim for Bryce Harper. If everybody is throwing him 10-year deals, $300 million, $350 million, $400 million, well, certainly that, that's a, a 
sandbox you don't want to play in. I get it. They don't. They have wanted to stay away from the long-term deals ever since we went into the offseason. Alex has been very transparent about that, that they don't want to get into a long-term deal with anybody. That's fine. But that's not the market. The market hasn't been four or five teams all competing to who can throw in the most years and most dollars on the contract. Uh, not been the case at all. And it seems like all these small-time deals, these, these smaller deals, four years, five years, six years, is something that is now in play. And I don't see why the Braves couldn't do that. So if that's where I'm starting, I feel like I can be in a ballpark for a guy like that. If that doesn't work out, then you can go to Michael Bradley uh, and others uh, that fit that mold um, that, that you could go with at that point, who would be very affordable. So I, I know what they wanted to stay away from. They didn't want to get into a, a situation like the Phillies did for Andrew McCutcheon. They, they gave him, what, four years, $50 million. They didn't want to do anything like that. And I think we all feel the Phillies overpaid. But there are guys who could have helped you, who could have been better than Nick Marcakis, uh, a better power source, uh, a better RBI guy, uh, driving more runs than Nick. And you could have had that person at, at a pretty fair cost without breaking the bank. So I, I know that the pendulum is swinging back and forth in the economics of Major League Baseball. You're not seeing the 10-year, $300 million, $300 million contract like Albert Pujols received eight years ago. Uh, it's starting to swing back the other way. And I think it's just going to continue to swing back and forth but we're in a down period, and I know that free agents aren't happy, and I know that people are concerned with the uh, CBA that expires in December of 2021. So uh, a lot could happen between now and then. But what I'm getting at is it seems that some of these names are very uh, could be coming at a very affordable rate, and I think you're, you're right in feeling uh, disappointed that the Braves weren't a bigger player in that market this offseason. You make a really good point about Albert Pujols. The difference between Albert Pujols and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado is Albert Pujols was on the wrong side of 30. These two guys are 26 years old, right in the midst of their prime. These are the type of players you should be paying for and should be an asset for any team that's trying to contend. Andrew McCutcheon money with the Phillies, that was my guy going to the offseason. I thought they could have gotten him at a discounted rate. No one should have paid mm-hmm. what the Phillies paid. So I completely understood that, but not pivoting from Michael, uh, from Andrew McCutcheon for Michael Brantley, who did get a reasonable rate, made no sense to me. Um, but I will say Josh Donaldson, it's a great move. I loved it. I love the idea of Josh Donaldson. He's always been one of my favorite players in baseball. But it, it, I think a part of the disappointment as well comes from when you make that move, you make that move one year, $23 million, thinking that they're going to keep going, that they're going to keep making moves. And when they're saying things like, we can we can shop in any aisle, give us the money for SunTrust Park, and we're going to raise payroll when the new revenues come in. But then we're not going to be players in free agency. We're going to be aggressive in the trade market. Well, you weren't aggressive enough for JT Real Muto, and now he's a Philly. And I understand not wanting to dip too far into your prospect capital, but how are you going to fill out four rotations or five rotations uh, in the minor leagues with all the prospects that you have pitching-wise, you're going to have to trade some eventually. You're going to have to dip into that pool. If you're not going to be aggressive in free agency, be aggressive on the trade market, and they just haven't been aggressive there either. Aggressive enough. Yeah, and and that's where they have currency, and they've admitted as much. And I I don't understand why there's such a hesitance to spend money. Spending money isn't always a bad thing. It depends on what value you're getting. What are you getting? It costs you no prospects to uh, spend money. Exactly. Uh, And you get to keep all those guys. I like the point that you bring up. It's the age of Machado. It's the age of Harper that makes it so much more valuable. They're 26 years old. They're five years younger now than Albert Pujols was when he signed that deal uh, after the 2011 season. There's your value. So if I'm offering a guy six, seven, eight years – and you throw out whatever figure you want to throw out. I don't want to be scared at that number. Let me see what I'm going to get before I really shy away from that number. I might get a guy who turns in an MVP season or two. I expect to get a pre- several pretty good runs into the postseason, maybe even a pennant, maybe even a World Series. If I'm getting a World Series, uh, three or four division titles, and an MVP out of a guy who I'm giving an eight-year contract to for that kind of money, that's great value to me. That, that's worth it to me. I, I saw the Astros were able to give uh, a Justin Verlander. They absorbed that contract and what they paid him. That contract paid for itself with what they were able to accomplish on the field. So spending money isn't always a bad thing so long as you're getting good value in return. And I understand there's no guarantee on any player. 
but I don't, if you're not going to spend it for these guys, you're not going to spend it at all. Uh, I don't know what else you want. If you're talking about guys who are all-stars, perennially elite players in the game, and guys who are also 26 years old, you're getting them at the prime of their careers. So I feel like those are the kind of guys you should be spending money for. You don't want to be spending money for, for a guy who's 32, 33 years old. That's fine. That makes, that, I, I agree with that. that. That's good economics to stay away from those kind of contracts for guys who are in their early to mid-30s. But for a guy who's still going to be playing four seasons in his 20s, that's where I think it's, it's good money. It's good investment to, to be play, uh, paying for those guys. I like your point on if you're not going to do that, you got to be active in the trade market. And the Braves have more minor league currency than just about everybody this side of the Padres. I think everybody would say that those two teams have the best two minor league systems in, in, in minor league baseball. And if you have currency, especially in one particular position like the Braves do on the mound with all these pitchers, you don't have to trade them all. But it would be easy to turn around one or two of those guys for something that could help you now. I had a scout tell me years and years ago, he said, when it comes to evaluating talent, you have to realize two things. Number one, eliminate whatever it is that they do best. For instance, if you have a guy who hits 30 bombs a year, he's a big power hitter, take that out of the equation. What else does he bring you? Does he have a, a skillet for a glove? Does he have a noodle for an arm? Does he strike out a ton? Or if he's just a one-trick pony, I don't care how many home runs he hits, he's not going to bring you a lot of value. But if he still has value on top of that, then you have a major player. That's one way to evaluate a player. On top of that, you have to understand that these guys aren't just there to help you in your, in your major league organization. They can either help you in your uniform or you can trade them to bring along what it is that you need for your major league team to succeed. And that's how I view prospects. I never really fall in love with prospects. I love having them, but I'm not afraid to trade them. And I think the Braves are in a position where, sure, they've got lots of guys that they can covet, lots of guys that they want to keep and watch them continue to grow and, and get better and stay in this organization and prolong the, the, the time of success that, and the, the window of success that they could have. But I think you have to know who your guys are and know who you can trade. And look at your, your roster and say, well, we've got, uh, in our top 20, we've got 15 pitchers. Uh, could we make it with a dozen of those guys? Yes, we probably could. Well, let's figure out the three who we want to trade and guys that will bring along talent that can help us at the big league level. So that's where I thought that they would be active. I, I, would, I would have thought that they would use that currency a little bit more than they did, and they really didn't, and the Phillies did, and they gave up. Uh, Sixto Sanchez and a handful of other prospects, and they land the best catcher in baseball for my money. And, and I felt like that's a, a trade that the Braves could have made. It didn't take giving away a major league player. They could have thrown in another prospect and made that happen, but they didn't, and we'll see how that works out for the Phillies versus the Braves. The Braves last year made hay against the division. Outside of the division, they were under five hundred. The division is significantly improved. If you look at free agency right now, the Braves have given no indication that they're going to be players in any of these markets. But we mentioned Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Dallas Keuchel's out there, Craig Kimbrell's out there. Hell, Marwin Gonzalez is out there, all of which would help the Braves in some way. Um, do you think they're done? Do you think they'll make another move of any type of significance? I think that they'll do something during spring training. And they have alluded to that for a while. I don't know how deep into spring training. I can see them doing something similar to what they did for Anibal Sanchez last year. Got him with about three weeks left in spring. Uh, so if they're to make a move like that, obviously the name like Anibal Sanchez doesn't blow you away. And what he did last year got him $19 million with the Nationals this year. But I think they'd like to make another move similar to that to add some depth into that rotation. I don't expect it to be Corey Kluber coming over from the Indians in some blockbuster deal, but I do expect some kind of deal. After that, I think they're just going to monitor this through the season, similarly to what they did last year. They took it all the way down to the wire last year. They realized, hey, no, are we in this thing, but we can win this division. We just needed to make a move here or there. They make the trade with the Orioles. Uh, they bring along Gosman and the bullpen piece, and that helps out a ton. And that got them to the finish line. I think that they'll do something similar this year. Maybe they don't wait all the way to the deadline to make a deal, but I think they're going to monitor where they are in the standings. If, if it looks like the Phillies or the Nationals or Mets or all those three or a combination of those three are pulling away, then I think that they'll ease up for what they've got and then go into the offseason and, and, and look to make moves at that point. But I've seen a, a very relaxed nature from Alex and the front office. And the reason I say that is, 
I think they feel that they're way ahead of where they're supposed to be anyway. This is their second full season with the team. They won a division last year when they weren't supposed to. So, in other words, this isn't a free agent, or this isn't a, uh, a general manager who's sitting on the hot seat. It's, a, it's, a, it's very cool. So there's no pressure for him to win immediately. So they want to play for the long term. They don't want to give away any prospects that they feel can help them win the next two or three years. And it's been a very uh, relaxed approach on all of this because there's no pressure on them right now. And I, I really think that's influenced how they've gone about their business this offseason. Uh, then again, I don't know what Liberty Media has told them what they can or cannot spend, but I, I think any of us would be uh, crazy to think uh, and naive, to be honest with you, if we thought that that wasn't a part of it. But I, I do think that they feel like they have all the time in the world and they don't want to uh, give away half of this farm system to, to try to win now because they have to. They don't. So everything has been a very relaxed approach. And I think it depends on, to answer your question, I think it depends on the success or failure of the team as to how active or inactive they'll be in trades this, this uh, regular season. I will say, before we get out of here, I will say I understand the reticence to trade a wealth of prospects to get better considering the penalties after the MLB investigation that cost copy his job and things of that nature. You lost so much international prospect capital as well as the ability to play on that market so draft pick compensation as well as holding on to guys as you're going through a couple of years of being restricted as far as acquiring talent is concerned I get the reticence then but still that doesn't preclude you from not going out there and being aggressive on the free agent market so what you're saying is you're not anticipating a reunion with Craig Kimbrell that's not happening I don't and now the good news is his asking price has come down so maybe it opens up uh, an avenue of communication that wasn't there before. I know that I was having a conversation with Alex. Um, it was maybe two weeks into the new year. And he said that that morning, so this is maybe January 10th, January, somewhere in there. He said that that morning was the first time all off season that he'd had a conversation about a bullpen arm or closing. And, and that, was surprising to me. I figured that that would have been higher on their list uh, of things that they wanted to check in on and, and make some phone calls about. But he said that's where they were. They wanted to wait until the market started to come down. I understand that. The market in mid-January compared to mid-November and mid-December is completely different. And you see it cool down and asking prices come down and things like that. But they are holding on to their cards, man. They're they're not in a rush to, to you know do anything that would – or this past offseason, they wanted to rush to do anything that would be really jumping the gun on on uh, on a reliever or a starting pitcher. They want to hold their cards, and that tells me that if they didn't really have a conversation about any reliever until mid January, that tells me that they're in no rush. And if it, if that lingers into spring training or into the regular season, so be it. Greg Kimbrell seems like a reach to me, but let's see how how far his price comes down. I do maintain that it. It wouldn't shock me if there's some move up their sleeve that they could push the button on and, and all of a sudden everybody says, wow, I didn't see that one coming. And maybe that's just wishful thinking by me. Uh, but I know that Craig wants to come back. He's got a farm just across the line in, in the Tennessee. He and his wife actually loved it here. If, if he had his brothers, it would be to be at Atlanta Brave. I know that he's mentioned that to multiple people. and Some of the people in the agent world that I've spoken with, they all echo that same sentiment. So if they can make that happen, great. If not, I'm not certain, and it is crazy that he's unsigned, uh, as most teams are going down for pitchers and catchers to report. I, I would imagine something will be coming down that pipeline for him in the next week, week and a half. Real quickly, the Mets improved, the Phillies improved, the Nats improved, the Braves incrementally improved. Depends on Josh Donaldson being healthy. They're a Josh Donaldson injury away from not having improved at all on last year's mm-hmm. roster. But assuming Josh Donaldson is healthy – where are the Braves in your pecking order in the uh, NL East? I've got them probably three right now. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I like the Mets a lot better than most teams do. I, I feel like the Mets are dangerous because, look, you've got to pitch every single night in this division. This division got so much better on the mound. The Braves were a good ball club last year. They were. But they also benefited from a Nationals team that was a major underachiever, a Mets team that fell apart and a Phillies team is still trying to rebuild. 
you mentioned they were they were 22 games over 500 in the East last year, up to mm-hmm. 500 against the rest of Major League Baseball. I can't imagine that they can reciprocate that again this season. At 22 games over 500 in the division, it would, would be a miracle to me because that's how much better I feel this division is. We know the Nationals are going to pitch every single night. We know that the Mets, should they be healthy, should be pitching just about every single night. The Phillies, I don't think, have quite the pitching. I like the Braves pitching a little bit better than the Phillies. I do like the Phillies lineup, obviously. Is, I mean, I liked it last year, and they add on to it. But I think the Braves and the Phillies will be going hard at it for third place. And I like the Mets and the Nationals. I think going into this thing, I'd probably go Nats 1, Mets 2, and some combination of the Braves and the Phillies at 3 and 4. And obviously, everybody's going to beat up on the Marlins, who if they lose any fewer than 110 games, I'll be shocked. He's Ben Ingram. You can listen to him on the Atlanta Braves Radio Network and 680 The Fan. Good luck this season, my friend, and uh, hopefully you get a break so you can get to Swayze for the first time in a decade. Yeah, I need a good beer shower. That can happen. I'm heading that way. Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event. Whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662 638 3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics. That was Ben Ingram. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. Check out Ben's stuff on Twitter at Ingram Radio. He works for the Atlanta Braves Radio Network as well as 68 of the Fan in Atlanta. Does a tremendous job covering the Braves. Big old Miss guy, too. So, Ben Ingram, check him out for sure. But that's it. We don't have much to talk about. We covered our bases pretty good. It's always nice when you're on the podcast, David, you know, when you're not sketching out on me and talking about uh, all the fun stuff. Ah, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. You know, I, had to, I, I, I always enjoy it. Um, Got to give you a hard time. That's what I do. And I'm serious about the beetroot, man. You should go down to GNC and get you some. It's absolutely incredible. Okay, well, I'm going to check out then and go buy me some beets so that I can get healthy, apparently, because David's doing that. Thank you, man. I guess we'll talk next week. You go ahead. Get those beats. <laughs> this is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.